of Naked Men Talking, a podcast exploring naturism and the power of getting a close-off. I'm Gareth Johnson. On today's episode, we're joined by Sam Stanley. After a career playing rugby, Sam is now a health and fitness coach, keeping us motivated with his workouts. Sam, welcome. Thanks. Good to be here. Now, you come from a rugby playing family, and I was wondering, were you ever drawn to any other sports, or was it kind of inevitable that you were so immersed in rugby that that was where you were naturally going to go? I think it was inevitable. Ultimately, my uncle was the uh, was the start. I always feel like there's always like one person in the family that almost starts that, gets the ball rolling. The tradition. Uh, so, to, so to speak. It, yeah, it was really, uh, my father's a, a Kiwi. Uh, his brother played for the All Blacks. So I guess, you know, that person succeeding then ult- ultimately makes everybody else realise that it is achievable. I think it always takes that one person. So then uh, my father moved to England with his English wife my mother and yeah it was like get got, got us straight into rugby from i started playing when i was four uh two older brothers so one was uh, six at the time the other one was eight so it took us all down to the rugby club i mean four years old where well, you, you're not really doing much but yeah <laughs> you're enthusiastic though well exactly that's that's where you start that's where you start really isn't it i think by the time i was like six seven years old i was sleeping in my rugby kit waking <laughs> my parents up to go and play rugby so yeah uh certainly inevitable uh after after my uncle's success now what was your relationship like with your body at that time because you were in locker rooms from a, a young age you were fit and healthy were, were you like a pretty sort of relaxed about your body and getting naked in front of other people yeah uh i suppose you're talking like when i was playing professionally well, I guess even younger than that, because, you know, it's that sort of phase of figuring yourself out almost. And I always think that guys that have had sort of that locker room experience early on seem to have a different relationship with guys that haven't been through that somehow. Yeah, yeah, good point. I think I've always been uh, pretty confident there to a degree. It's, I mean, it's a strange one, right? Because I actually, I actually do suffer from a skin condition. So that's probably... Um, my kryptonite uh, my nemesis it's i've always known from a young age that i wanted to play professional rugby so uh in that respect i understood what was kind of required from the physical point of view so i actually started training when i was 12 years old um and then you're already being picked up by academies uh by the time i was like 13 14 years old i was already uh, part of saracen's academy uh in in the uk um and I kind of always thought that I had to be fit. I had to be fast, powerful, all these different things. Uh, so having kind of like from from that young age, knowing I wanted to be that, I was always aspiring to be something. And then you start like getting a little bit of muscle here and there. And ultimately, you then start getting, um, I guess, feedback, uh, different people's opinions. From like 13, 14, you're starting to be a bit more muscular than people your own age. And then they start seeing that, and so then that almost boosts your ego in a, in a way, uh, and, and gives you gives you the confidence. Uh, but ultimately, I, th- I think I've always been pretty, other than my eczema, I've been pretty confident in in my body. Yeah. But did your eczema sort of undermine that confidence, or is it because you know that can be quite a visual thing, and it can you know play on your mind a bit as well? Yeah, very much so. It, it's 
it's probably yeah it has it's affected me actually a, a lot at times uh where you wouldn't want to do so but i think as a visual i can't really i couldn't it was something i, I felt that i couldn't ultimately control so it was almost like at times you forget about it you're aware of it of course but there's also, also like you know that people are going to think whatever they want to think is there's nothing i can really control to it well I hope well you can control it to the degree i've had it since since birth uh, so maybe I guess it's not so controllable, but um, I think there are certain things I can try to do that uh, could make it um, more aggravated than, at, at certain times. Uh, but other than, I mean, that did sometimes, you know, but I would always already have it because it was the, the places I would have it would be like face that was already visual. So when you're obviously taking your clothes off, I never really had it too much over like yeah it was already there like what, a, what a yeah, yeah 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 so, so it's from a visual like as you're saying it's kind of like well it's there so ultimately anything else i'm taking off it There's didn't no really surprises. matter <laughs> uh, exactly <laughs> now you got some publicity uh when you started publicly talking about your sexuality uh and this was back in 2015 and you were sort of you know the first guy in top tier rugby to to sort of do that how did that feel at the time yeah it seems a uh, a lifetime ago. It is a lifetime ago. That's the thing. (laughs) Jesus Christ. I mean, time does fly. When everyone says time flies, they're they're absolutely right. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, a huge relief. I I think, I I said, I think I said previously, there are uh, some people that you you probably want want to know and you care about knowing. And then it's almost like once they have accepted it, um and kind of come to terms with it and and, and still love you etc like your loved ones the ones that you really um care about their opinion to a degree uh it never really mattered after that so it was like i'd already come out previously to like family etc so that, that's fine and then uh, a huge inspiration for me was actually ben cohen uh and he ran a a, a foundation against homophobia and bullying um, I got in touch with him and he was kind of saying like, it, it, it will be, even if you don't think it is, um, it, it is important for other people. And that's ultimately all we're ever doing is kind of like trying to influence others, isn't it? To, to hopefully um, finding another step to, to be themselves, um, their authentic selves and, and live this life. I, I think I come from a mindset of we, we do have one life now. And I think this was me at the time as well, but some nine years ago now. It was thinking like, I don't want to live the rest of my life. I have a, an older partner, so it's also I had that almost in my head as well. It's like, I've seen him not come out until he was like 50. And do I want that for myself? And ultimately, the answer was no. So then I was just trying to discover myself. Uh, I think I'd done that. Um, had almost built up the courage to to understand that um, the consequences of this, of, of actually coming out and what that might mean. Yeah, there's always hate. Again, you know, I, I'm, I was aware of that and that potential. Uh, luckily, never really received any, or at least to my face. Um, but I was ready to deal with that anyway. I feel that these are things that we can't change. So uh, you act. People have their opinions. A lot of those you can't do anything about. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, a huge relief to answer your question. That was a long way. No, I, I guess that is because once the pressure's off of having told the people closest to you kind of thing, then it's just... Mm-hmm. Going to go from there, but it, it must have. Even though you were sort of 
prepared for it and, and thinking about what it's going to be like. Did it sort of go the way you expected in terms of publicly? Because there, there was like quite a lot of media coverage. You were on magazine covers. You know, that that's quite a big deal, really, isn't it? Yeah, I, I guess I went into it blindly, not knowing what to expect, not knowing how, how, uh, how much it would affect or how big it would have been. I remember like getting a lot of calls and stuff from news uh news channels straight away everyone wanted the story i'm like people trying to come to my training ground um at the time and constantly ringing oh can we come now no i've got a wait session <laughs> uh, what, what about this to... time <laughs> exactly i'm doing my job leave me alone uh i mean i had an agent at the time but i think even he didn't know how to deal with with this with this stuff right it's, it's the first time someone has, has come out and, and some he'd come to some of the photo shoots not like I did a, a nude photo shoot for Gay Times one time. He wasn't at that one, but there was another one where I was doing a shoot just in, in pants. But I think that was an experience for him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, rugby agents don't normally have to deal with that kind of stuff. <laughs> well, well, exactly. I mean, surely they, surely some have in the past. Maybe that was his first experience. I'm not sure, but it was quite, quite funny. <laughs> I remember after talking to him, that was interesting. <laughs> Let's debrief on that. Yeah, yeah all that stuff that came, all, all that stuff that came with it, Gareth was. Uh, I kind of went to blindly, but hey, it was, it, it was what it was, and I think I just kind of took it as it as it came and dealt dealt with them, hopefully in the right way. And when it came time to leave the world of rugby behind you, in that sense, and you stopped playing professionally, you moved into the the health and fitness coaching side of things. Was that always the plan? Was that in the back of your mind, or was that a bit of a just figuring out what you want to do next? Uh, it's it's a, always a tough question. I studied strength and conditioning, so kind of had a road map in a way, but it never really prepares you when you finish playing sport and uh, at the professional level. It's, it's really challenging to, to overcome, even if you are prepared uh, to go to another thing. It will never be the same, I felt. And uh, funnily enough, even just this morning, I... Uh, I saw a video that Thierry Henry um, shared and it was incredibly profound because I never really thought of it in this way. And it it, it goes, he, he was saying, when you finish sport, it's like that person dies. Oh. And that's so true. And I shared it. And already today, quite a lot of ex-teammates who have also finished rugby could resonate with it clearly. And obviously, they hadn't thought of it that way. It's uh, it's something that you you do have to deal with, it, and it is like that person is never going to be the way you put it was. You're never going to be that competitive person. I'm never going to play professional football in his case or in my case. I'm that the person that I've um, pursued since such a young age to become and became now doesn't exist. Oh, I hadn't heard it like that before. Like, that's a real grief process then, isn't it? It really was. And I think I, I struggled. That, that's, I guess you get to that stage where, okay, um, it, it was a huge struggle. You might have something in the pipeline ready to kind of transition. Uh, but mentally, if you haven't prepared yourself, I think that would pro- that is probably going to be the most... Uh, important thing for any athlete that does finish their career is to try to mentally prepare yourself as much as you can yeah it's almost an impossible thing to do though isn't it like because you visualize who you're going to be after this ends it's like i will not be this person yeah i mean you see like rugby players going to 
becoming pundits and what there's going into business now. I see a few other, a few teammates getting into like nutrition companies, et cetera. And obviously everyone's going to deal with these things differently. Um, and, and I've finally got over it, but I, I would probably have honestly mentally only really got over it in the last couple of years. Um, and I think I finished about six, six years ago, six, seven years ago now. Um, but it was almost like you're holding on to something. I felt like you had, I had so much more to give that, that, that didn't, but in saying that I don't have any regrets because I think I understand that time goes on and it's inevitable that a career is going to finish. So I think what um, there was a rugby players foundation that uh, rugby players association, sorry, who worked with pro athletes to, to really get them to do something off the field um, to at least, at least have something to fall back on if injury, because, you know, in, in, in the ideal world, I'd have loved to have still been playing. I'm only 32 years old. Um, but sadly, for for one reason or another, I'm not. And ultimately, you've got to you've got to move on, right? Uh, time doesn't stop, and, and and that you only really figure it out once you start probably looking to like try to self develop a bit more. Um, but yeah, that that transition was tough. But you know, I love what I do. Like in terms of satisfaction, actually helping helping another person, like in terms of like strength training. You know, I've got clients who have lost a lot of weight, and you see. If that if that's the goal um, for those who wanted to lose weight, like you see how much it means to them, and then that actually spurs me on. So I, it's not that I, like you know I love what I do now, but nothing will compare, I think, to pro sport. Uh, the relationships you you gain um, and reconnect, even if you don't talk to someone for such a long time, you you have like a bit of a memory or something, you know. So and that will always uh, be a great thing to it's, it's a great thing to cherish. But yeah. Uh, it was a tough, but it was it was a tough, uh, tough change, tough transition. But yeah, enjoying what I do. It was just that was very profound. That that Thierry Henry video was incredibly profound. Got you right, right there. <laughs> Absolutely, and clearly a few others. That, yeah. That's what I was. That's what that was. What was quite interesting. Well, and also coming from others. him, who is such an icon in sport generally, I guess, isn't it? But you know, that's someone mm. who speaks from experience. <laughs> no, absolutely. You know, like I know, like um, it's got a tangent a bit. It's, it's like. The way that I think about it in terms of the mental side is I'm seeing Cristiano Ronaldo is still going at 38 years old and, and as incredible as it is, is he, you know, he's a bit, you know, your body can only ever go so long. So even if, you know, he might get to 40, 42, I don't know, that guy is just an incredible athlete, incredible person. But are you also running from the fact that, gosh, once this finishes, it finishes? Yeah. How's he going to uh, You know, that? it doesn't matter. All the, all, the, all the money, all the money in the world, how you, you know, you, you're not going to be able to do this. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's hopefully like people, you know, we, we, we can help help other um, athletes get get some somewhat mentally prepared to know that okay, this is this person's not going to be the person that is who I am now. So I've got to I've got to change, and there's uh, hopefully people find find that way sooner rather than later. Yeah, yeah. With the fitness coaching and, and strength training that you that you do, you do a lot of it online. Is that harder to build connection with people if you're not seeing them regularly face to face? Yeah, and yeah, I think it's really dependent on the person. And I do think I've done that fully online now for a year and a half. Um, and there is a huge difference. There is a huge difference. You, fortunately, I've met some of my clients, but I'm, I'm, there are probably going to be a lot of them that I never do. And and it's it's an interesting one. Uh, you still have rapport, so because I have like a, a a checkup as well. So sometimes I'll have a call with them, like but like this ultimately, <laughs> right? And, and it's, it's not the same. You're not looking like 
into the whites of each other's eyes. Uh, you're not kind of there feeling one one another's energies in, in in the same room. So there there is there are challenges to that, but there are also people that want that clearly and desire like some some one of my one of my clients uh, who comes to mind hates having a trainer and someone standing over him telling him what to do when he's struggling um so in he is like the ultimate client for an online coach because what he desires and what he requires would be what i offer which is nutrition coaching um writing their programs and being accountable um, I'm like most of the time I'm an accountability partner and the mental side of things. It, it's dealing with um, people's struggles more more than anything. So you, you find yourself as more of a life coach than um, a strength fitness coach because everything comes into play there, right? It's uh, if you if you haven't again like the right, the side as we were just um, covering the mental side of, of of training is probably more important. I would say even to the degree of like 90, 10 in terms of what you do. If you look at the mental, physical, it's probably 90% mental, 10% from, from my experience in this last year and a half. And people share their struggles with me. So it's like dealing almost to a degree, you become a bit of a therapist, which, which I've really enjoyed. I actually enjoy talking about the mental side and trying to get somebody from, I can't do this to, wow, I've lost three stone or whatever. But did you expect that sort of life coaching element to play such a big part? Because, you know, you come from a fitness background, you study fitness and strength training and stuff, but you didn't study therapy. I mean, you do, what, three months of sports psychology <laughs> as, as part of a degree? And it's, uh, it's, can you really learn? I think a lot of a lot of what I've covered has been real. A lot then is self-teaching and, and trying, to, trying to have empathy for, for being in people's shoes. So if I think of myself, I've always wanted to be a pro athlete. I started training when I was 12 years old. I mean, even face-to-face, -face, uh, as an example, I remember training someone that was my age um, when I worked for um, a gym called Equinox. And he just, it's, it's like he hadn't done any physical education as a youngster. So I had nothing, almost like no coordination, nothing. It was so new to me. They had to go right, right, right back to basics. Like teaching someone how to walk again almost, isn't it? <laughs> it? It really was. It really was like coordination had lacked. But then I've got to kind of go back to myself. Well, okay, just because I've done this and done this, what is it like from his point of view? Try to try to try to try to be there and be like, okay, well, I need to actually learn that my right arm goes when I'm <laughs> trying to propel myself forward. My left and right arm, so it's always opposite, opposite. And it, it was even little, little, little basic things like that. Um, but yeah, incredibly satisfying what I do now. Um, but the online, I, I don't think the online will ever compare in terms of like trying to uh, build rapport. Um, I think, but both both still had their like <clears throat> satisfying parts. Um, I think the ultimate though, from my experience now, for anybody that may listen to this and was a coach uh, looking to get into online, I think the, the ultimate way to do it would be hybrid. Um, because it really depends again, then it depends on the individual and what you're trying to achieve. If you want to just chase money uh, and have loads of online clients and be able to, I could, you know, a lot of the time I'll, I'll be sitting here and I, and I can do what I do, what I do, um, then just kind of be available for people as, as and when needed. Um, but certainly feel that I, I enjoy the face to face probably more. So I, I, I think, uh, in the future I'll do a bit of a hybrid. So I'll have a bit of both. Because, yeah, relationships are, are pretty important to me. And 
for me, it's more not just chasing money, chasing money. It's more satisfaction of actually having a relationship with someone and seeing someone. There are a lot of times when you're face to face, you're seeing clients more than you're seeing your family, right? Seeing your mother oh, or totally. father or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they become a big part of your life. So you, so you, there's there's a strong relationship you, you uh, end up gaining there. No, and, totally. uh, I think you tell your personal training things you don't tell anyone else. Absolutely, people people will share share stuff with you that you know, they trust in you with their, their health, and you, you do hear some some of their deep deep stories that I'll take to the grave. <laughs> you talked about how you, know, you had that sort of psychological transition from you know, professional athlete into you know the, the the coaching side of things. I was wondering, has that changed? your perspective or your relationship with your body anyway, moving from one world to, to another. How's that journey been for you? Um, it's, it's an interesting one because I don't have the, the worry of being having sore shoulders or feeling like you're beaten up on like a Monday after a game on a Sunday and then trying to recover from that in order to do uh, weights and, and then run around again on the Tuesday. I don't have that anymore. So it's, it's actually probably quite nice. <laughs> I think if you asked any rugby player, they'd be like, you know, I don't have the bruises. I don't have uh, the the little niggles. Or that pressure to be fit almost, like having to get ready for a game if you're trying to get over an injury. That must be really play with your head as well. Yeah, that, I think I always watch rugby and you're looking at the pro level and, and you see some of the responses in, in, in people uh, watching a game who, who aren't in the know and then uh, sharing their opinion, which... Is, is almost invalid to it. No one's opinion is invalid, I guess, but trying to see it from a different picture and understand that actually rugby players are probably playing the game never at a hundred percent. But if they're, if, if on week to week, they're feeling 80%, but they give a hundred percent of themselves still, that's probably how it is. You're always going around with a little niggle, shoulder, knee, ankle. Um, you watch a lot of them have tape, tape on them these days. Uh, it's becoming an incredibly physical game. And um, I suppose, that's why uh, you see a lot of these new rules coming in uh, with HIA, HIA, like head injury assessments, because it's trying to make it a safer, safer, safer game. I think going back to your question, it's just certainly feel better for it uh, on, on a week to week, but your goals change, don't they? My goal now isn't to perform at the highest level. My goal is to just be able to pick things up on the ground, be able to um, run around, be able to walk without pain, et cetera. And, and I mean, I, I've I've had a lot of injuries in my time, so it's it's almost still kind of managing those as well, but not having the pressure of having to um, do what is necessary to perform week in week out. It's more okay. I'm just I'm training now for life to live to to, to do it as long as I can. Yeah, yeah. To be able to live a nice, comfortable, um, comfortable life and be able to do all the little things. You know, that's uh, I think that's the uh, the benefit and the change in in. In, in my body and how I view training now. Now, on your social media, as well as your shirtless workouts, which I'm a fan of, you also occasionally treat <laughs> us to a bit of a cheeky butt shot. And I was wondering, is there an element of exhibitionism to the way that you share your stuff? Or is it really just an effective marketing tool? I guess I don't know how I really view it. It's not like I'm, like, uh, it's not like I'm trying to model or, or gain anything really from it. Uh, I've always just been pretty confident in, in, in my own body and... I suppose some people like that. I guess being a gay man, you, you see what people do like and you're <laughs> kind respond. of aware of it. And, uh, <laughs> exactly. Potentially, potentially a bit of exhibition in there, a bit exhibitionism in there, but uh, I don't go into it thinking, oh yeah, I'm going to get this and this and this. Uh, 
you just kind of do it. I, I felt like you, you, you almost, you act, you do what you, you do, what you do, and then everyone's going to have an opinion regardless. So you do anyway. Yeah. You do what feels right to you as a starting point kind of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. You yeah. do what you love. You do what you like. And, and I've always felt that. I mean, yeah, there's some people would think this, other people are going to think that there's something that we can't control. So it doesn't, doesn't matter. Yeah. As long as you're, as you just said, Greg, Gareth, as, as long as you're happy with it, then uh, do. What about getting naked generally? Do you, you a fan of naked beaches? Do you like social naturism? Are you at that sort of comfortable with your body kind of stage? I am, but probably don't get to them enough. Being in Sicily, they're a bit conservative, right? They're, yeah, they, <laughs> no, that's true that. though, isn't it? You wouldn't really have any near you in Sicily. No, not not that I know of anyway. Um, you, you're going to have to go abroad for that. Even though it's such a beautiful, yeah, particularly in the summer, I, would, I wouldn't even think about doing it now. I mean, <laughs> Uh, it's, it's a bit too bit too chilly for that, but yeah, no, I, I enjoy it. I, I think my my confidence has always been there. Again, I was I, I see it as some people. When I look at like people and um, to go off tangent a bit, I just feel like I'm attracted to bigger guys. And, and what I've always um, seen in bigger guys, I, I've loved like confidence in in themselves. Even though you've you've got other people saying, oh, but obesity is is a really bad thing, and it's ultimately. It's, it's just like imagine every single person was the same on this earth it's, of course we don't we want to try to avoid like heart disease we want to live as comfortable a life as we can but it's, it's almost like they have to kind of be there it's almost like I see certain things differently now it's like people are always trying to avoid certain things but they're inevitable like bad situations good situations negativity positivity um, you can't have it just one way you've got to kind of accept them and use just how we react to things um, so it's like I'm I'm happy to to go out and, and do all these things. It's I, what I know. Sorry, point point being there is that I know that some people are attracted to me, some people aren't. That's just how it is. I was like, let me just go off tangent a little bit to give you an example of. Sometimes I'd get a message from like really big guys, and they'd, they'd see Lawrence and I together, my partner Lawrence, and they'd be like, "Oh, cool, I've got a chance." I'm like, <laughs> "Well, not not every big guy I'm attracted to." Not so that simple. is super, super <laughs> exactly it's such an ignorant an ignorant response i'm like this has been built over such a long period of time you know and and things happen right in relationships you grow you you can't just stop rest on your laurels it's like i'm not the same person i was when i first met lawrence 14 years ago almost you change and and i, I feel that even uh to go sorry going going on tangent in relationships for example it's the reason a lot don't maybe work is because you don't grow together you almost grow apart and i know it's very difficult in the gay world like with open relationships polyamory all this stuff but you find a way ultimately if you want to um but i just almost always fascinated by those responses to people seeing lawrence and i together thinking that you know someone they have a chance but it's like you know, doesn't mean you're attracted to every single human. <laughs> yeah, uh, not saying every no, single but not guy. definitely saying yes. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, there you go. <laughs> I guess my final question is, if someone wants to work on their health and fitness but isn't sure where to start, what advice or guidance would you give them? Come sign up. Let me help you. <laughs> now, um, uh, break it down. I always feel about with goals, it's, it's, it's breaking, bringing it down into little, little things. So... Uh, always always easier said than done but it's okay my goal is to lose 10 kilograms but you've got to lose one kilogram first so how are you doing that and it's almost like to change you have to change if you if you if you want to change what are you changing so you can't 
who I can't remember who it was who quoted the uh, doing the same thing over and over again is like insanity and hoping for change is insanity. Um, there's so much truth in that, and it's ultimately if you want to change, you have to you have to change something. So it's like if you're doing nothing now, and obviously what social media would do is say this is what you've got to do. You should be doing this. Should be doing this. Should be doing this. Well, no, you shouldn't. Then you've got to understand someone's background, where they've come from. So even if like uh, a 20 minute walk. Even a bloody ten-minute walk for someone that does nothing. So imagine you, someone that does absolutely nothing now on a physical, on a physical, uh, from a physical perspective, and you go and do ten minutes every single day for a month. It's a huge net, um, and then you then you slowly build from there. So it's not. For, if I was like a hundred thirty kilogram guy, and my goal is to get down to, oh cool, I want to get to a hundred. That's a that's a huge goal, and and it's great to have an outcome goal. Um, don't get me wrong there, but it's like. Uh, where I see it is is the process. So, what am I doing on a daily basis? What am I eating? Because people always like, I don't know why there is an argument of okay, if if I had to choose between nutrition and and exercise, um, I would choose nutrition, which is ultimately, to be fair, nutrition is the bedrock. However, who's stopping you from doing both? Yeah, exactly. Don't make choices. <laughs> yeah. Don't 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 see it as in oh well, it's nutrition or exercise. Do both. Both are good. Yeah. <laughs> Because even though it's like, like there, there's sometimes there, there are lots of like doctors, et cetera, that claim that exercise doesn't actually do a hell of a lot, but it does from a, uh, in terms of, sorry, does it do a hell of a lot in terms of losing weight, but it does in terms of like, um, strengthening your heart, your lungs to make walking up, a, a st- walking up the stairs, the difference between walking up a flight of stairs, being out of breath at the top to not being out of breath at the top and little things like that. Uh, so ultimately, sorry, going back to it, that's that's where I would suggest someone be. See where you are now, but still, you can still start where you are. Um, just do something. So if it means ten minutes every single day for a month, great. Then what are you doing in month two? Maybe you're going 15, 20 minutes, but you just break the bigger goals down. That would be my uh, my advice. My advice. That's what I try to do anyway. <laughs> See them as a project. Every single day is a project. Every single day counts. Oh, nice. Sweat the small stuff. You should get these on a t-shirt, on a coffee mug, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I'm going to. Cheers, girl. <laughs> that brings us to the end of this episode. You can find me on Twitter at GTV London. Today's guest has been Sam Stanley. You can find him on Twitter at Sam Stanners. Stay naked, stay sexy, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.